I too would like to greet each of you in the name of our Lord and Savior. It is a blessing to be gathered together here with you here today. We've anticipated for some time to come and visit Nelson and Laura since they've moved here to the community and see where they're at and, uh, and get to know some of the church family here. So it's a blessing to be here this morning. Brother Dwight said that his heart was pretty full, and I thought uh, I, I could sense he, what he was sharing. He was inspired, and I would have been glad to just let him go on and, and share more. I appreciated the word that he shared there. And you know, we live in a very special time. This is when the fullness of time was come. And what a blessing it is that we live in that day today. Isn't that wonderful? It is. Fullness of time was come. And we think about this time of the year when people gather together and they, um, for all kinds of different reasons, many gather together and celebrate this time of the year that has nothing to do with, with, when, with observing the time that Jesus came as a baby. And, and I, I think we do well to, to think about the coming of our Savior and, and our Redeemer. I shared a couple of weeks ago there in a home congregation of, of some of the dangers that we need to avoid this time of the year because there's a lot of pagan things out there. And, and, there's a, there's a, and then we live... In a time that they like to mix, mix that with, with the uh, event of a coming of a Savior. But I'm glad that we can look today as to, to Jesus, the one who came in the fullness of time. And I don't think it was an accident that uh, we had the Sunday school lesson that we did today because I did not know that that's what it was going to be on, and it addressed something that I felt the Lord prompting me to, to share with you this morning. So maybe we're going to rehearse a few of those things we discussed in Sunday school time. And that is about the light. You know, I, I, uh, I, I like things, I like it when it's bright. I like when there's lots of light. I like to, I can see well when there's plenty of light. I um, have had some issues with my vision and, I, and as I get older I find how much that I appreciate light. Light is, it just helps me be able to see. I, I, can, I can read well and so when it, when it gets kind of dark I, I just don't function as well and uh, yesterday we were helping Nelson wiring his shop and we were one of the things we were doing is helping install some lights and you know what as it got dark last night and flipped that switch oh beautiful light it you know the the darkness just just fled well I I uh, and as one of the brethren shared there in Sunday school time some of these natural illustrations, they do have their limitation, but they help us to get a little bit of an understanding of the spiritual. 
And so I, I like the, this spiritual application of light. And it's interesting to me that the, the, the writings of the gospel tell us, tell us the story of Jesus, and it immediately begins with reference to light. And in the book of Matthew, we, we find that the accounts of Jesus beginning his ministry in Capernaum, and it says it was a fulfillment of prophecy, and I'm going to read you one verse from Matthew 4.16, that says, The people which sat in darkness saw a great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. And speaking about this light, and now we read here, we read in, in uh, or we read in First John, uh, St. John begins this way, and we, you'll recognize these words, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. In the book of Luke, Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, prophesied concerning his son John the Baptist under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to read verse 76 through 79 from Luke 1. It says, And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. This is talking about John the Baptist. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by remission of sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. And that prophecy, the latter part of that prophecy, is the, the light it is speaking about is Jesus. Luke chapter 2 is probably one of the best known and detailed writing, written accounts of the birth of Christ. And it's interesting for me to note some things that happened there. And I'd like to consider some details from that. And we're not going to read that this morning. But you're familiar with, with the, the account of the, of the birth of, of Christ. But the first time that Mary brought Jesus to the temple, I always thought that it probably followed the eighth day after he was born, after Jesus, when Jesus was circumcised. But it says in Luke 2 that it was after the days of her purification, which was Mary's purification, which according to the instruction in Leviticus chapter 2, was at least 41 days after Jesus was born. And I, always, I never thought it would be maybe that amount of time, but, but that's when it says that she came to the temple. And according to that law, Mary needed to bring an offering of two doves or pigeons for her purification. Now when she came to the temple, she came to the court where the treasury was. It was also known as the court of the women. Now the temple had several large courts. And anyone who wanted to come to the outer courts could, could come there, including the Gentiles. Anyone could gather in the, in the way outer courts. Then the next court was the court 
of the women, where only those who were Jews or proselytes, men and women, both could come. But it was called the court of the women because that's where the women were allowed to gather there as well. And in that court, they had containers that they had set up to receive offerings. They could pay money there. That's where the temple tax was paid. And that's where the women would give money to buy two doves for their purification. And it was in that court, you remember the story of the widow that cast in her two mites? That, that was that court that they, were, that they were in. She was in that court. So it was in this court where Mary had come with Jesus to present him to the Lord. Now I can imagine there were a lot of people that were milling around there when all of a sudden here comes an elderly man and he wants to hold the baby. And he said some very unusual things as he was holding the baby. Now, I enjoy holding babies, but I will admit that there is probably a difference in the way that I hold babies and the way my wife does. I mean, yeah, sure, I'll cradle it in my arms and I'll look at the baby, and we'll, but I will admire the baby and then I'm fine if it just quietly lays there. I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, look at those chubby little cheeks. You know, it's, oh, the nose, it's so cute. It's probably not, I'm not inclined to make those kind of remarks about the baby. There wasn't any discussion about how this baby looked. Does it look like mama? Does it look like daddy? We don't read about anything that this elderly man said. But this man, Simeon, took this baby in his arms, and this is what he said. He said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Now, this was not the first time that the coming of the Messiah was spoken of as a light that was coming. In fact, different prophecies that we find in the Bible concerning the coming of the Messiah, it speaks of a specific light that was coming. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3, is an example of that type of prophecy. It says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness to people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Beautiful words of prophecy. What light is this speaking about? You know, when God created the earth and we got that discussion about this morning that in the beginning was the word and when was the beginning? What's the beginning? Was that talking about? And I uh, appreciated the thought that um, that the word is, the word was. It continues to be. But I want to think about when God created the earth. Let's think about that beginning. Thinking about light in a little bit different light. 
And, and, and when he created the earth, it says that God created light, or there was light. And then he created a bright light that we call the sun. And then he, called, uh, and then he created a dimmer light that we call the moon, which talked about how that is a reflector of the big light. But there was light before the sun and the moon were created. Did you ever wonder where that light came from? Did you ever think about that? Where did that light come from? Before, you can read in the Bible that there was light before the sun and the moon were created. I like to think that that light emanated from God himself. I think I... I we, we know that the Bible tells us that God is light. And we know that in heaven we don't need any light. Why? Because God himself will be the light. And so I, I, I like to think of that light just emanating from forth from God himself. God created the other lights as well, the stars. And when Jesus was born, God used a very unusual light to guide a group of men to Jerusalem where Jesus was born, and they called it a star. I, I love to go out and, at night and look into the heavens and see the different lights that are there. And last night, I, I uh, kind of jokingly told my brother-in-law, I said, well, looks like y'all have the same moon that we do. And then I saw another light there and beside it, and it, Recognize it as the planet of Jupiter. I, I love looking into the heavens and seeing those. But I wondered how this star, something that was very unique. I would have loved to have seen it. The Bible says it came and stood over the place where Jesus was. And those men were excited about that star. It said they rejoiced with exceeding great joy, the Bible tells us. And they were excited about that light. Because I think they, they were convinced that this light was going to reveal something very special to them. And it did. It did. And even though they gathered around and worshipped Jesus and presented special gifts to him, I wonder if they realized that indeed they had followed a light there, but they were beholding the light of the world. And I say that in a spiritual sense. It wasn't like a physical light emanating at that point. But they were looking at the light of the world. They'd followed a physical light, and now spiritual light is being revealed to them. I think that the prophets and the Jews knew that this light that was prophesied to come was not some special star. It was not the sun or the moon or some other object of, of, of light, but rather that it was a spiritual light. And to us it is evident it is spiritual, because when Jesus began his ministry, he, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and just as darkness is likened to that which is evil and corrupt and, and, and destruction and sorrow and, and death and all of that, Light is likened to, to that which is good and right. It is clean and pure. It is full of joy. Eternal life. And we know how light dispels darkness. 
And the coming of that spiritual light was very significant in that it would overcome and dispel darkness that had enveloped man because of the curse of sin. And what a darkness that man was in at that point. <clears throat> a few minutes ago, I had, we were talking about how Mary was in the treasury or the court of the women when Simeon spoke those beautiful words by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And let's, I'd like to look now at what happened in that same court almost 33 years later after Simeon stood there with that baby in his arms and he spoke about this light. We don't know for sure, but I, I seriously doubt that Simeon was there because when he held that baby, he said, Lord, now let your servant depart. I think he was talking about the end of his life. And so I doubt that Simeon was there. But for the main text of the message this morning, I'd invite you to open your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 8. St. John, chapter 8. And I'm going to read verses 12 through 20. title of the message this morning is taken from verse 12. I am the light of the world. I invite you to stand for the reading of the word of God. John chapter 8, verse 12 through 20. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but he shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I come. I came, and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come, and whither I go. <clears throat> ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye would have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. You may be seated. To get a little bit of a picture of what was of the setting here. In the last part of chapter 7, we, we see that they were observing one of their feasts. This was the Feast of the Tabernacles, or, or was the Feast of Booths. And I don't know if you know what, what that feast was commemorating, but it was held at the completion of harvest. And it was commemorating the 40 years that the children of Israel were in the wilderness. This was a very joyous and a very festive time. time. It was a lot of festivity going on. There were thousands of people that were gathered together at Jerusalem. And this was the last day of the feast, which was kind of the, the climax of the festivities. 
And so it's very probable that the court of the people uh, of the temple was just filled with throngs of people. And we read, if you read, if we would take time to read in the very first part of the chapter, chapter 8, we see that how Jesus came to the temple and, and, that, uh, and, the, and the people gathered around him. And so I think there were lots of people that had gathered around him there. You talked about how Jesus often, we made reference in Sunday school time, how Jesus often taught, taught his people with, with parables and natural things they could relate to. In chapter 7, if we would go back there, it would tell us how he cried out to the crowd, the same crowd, or, or maybe it was different people there. But he said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And it is thought that, that he spoke those words while they were performing a ceremony, that, uh, that he was pour, their water was being poured out on a rock to commemorate the time that the water came out of the rock for the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness. Now historians tell us that the court of, that during the Feast of the Tabernacles, that this court was filled with lamps called candelabra or something like that. And these were big pots that they would set and they'd fill them with oil and they had big wicks and those would make a huge flame. And, and it would really cast a bright light uh, as, as bright as what, what can be come from a wick like that. And they said that when they lit these huge candles, that the temple was brightly lit. At night, it, they said it was a glowing spectacle. It just made it shine out. And, and people would look in kind of awe at that, at that spectacle that it made. Maybe you already seen a building or structure that at night lights were shown onto it and it maybe it's a white building and it reveals the magnificent building is revealed. I've thought about different buildings I've seen like that. But the reason they lit those lamps was a memory of the pillar of fire by night in the wilderness. Fire was a sign of the presence of God. And historians say it was a stunning sight to just behold that brightness that the temple was surrounded with. And so it could well be that surrounding that setting that Jesus spoke to the throngs of people and said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And I can almost imagine the crowd becoming silent. What did he just say? What did he just say? They said that the rabbis had taught that the Messiah's name is light. The Pharisees certainly knew what he said. And that's why they tried to immediately discredit him. They knew the prophecy of the coming of the Messiah was referred to as a light. And when Jesus said, I am I am, he said, he was saying, I am God. I am. This is divine. And I am the light that will lead you to everlasting life. And as was spoken about 33 years before in that very same court, 
very same court, a light to the Gentiles. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He was, he is, and continues to be the light of the world. And I'm so glad that it's a light to the Gentiles because for that, I wouldn't have a chance here this morning. What a blessing it is that indeed it was a light to the Gentiles. Jesus spoke more about the light in John 12, verse 35 and 36. He said, yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come unto you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. I want us to consider our response to the light of the world. You know, you can know about light. You can look at light. You can admire light. But light doesn't do you much good if all it is that you just know about it or that you admire it. The way that this light, this spiritual light, is going to do you any good at all is if you believe in it. Believe in the light that ye may be the children of light, the Bible tells us. And if you believe in the light, it will impact you. We talked about how that the light is going, going to, yes, it's going to fill us and it, and it is going to shine forth. One of the beautiful things of, of this of, of this light. The power of this light is that spiritual darkness is dispersed. It flees. It's gone. And that's the power of the light of Jesus Christ. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Shall have it. You can respond like the Pharisees did. They said, don't believe it. I don't believe it. They said, you don't have any witness. And in their unbelief, I don't think they had any idea really what they were rejecting. They were rejecting the Messiah. Their unbelief had them immersed in darkness to the point that they had no spiritual perception that they were speaking to the Son of God, the light of the world. I appreciate that song that we sang before the message today. The light of the world is Jesus. And there was a call that to come to the light is shining for you, for each ind individual person. That light is there, and it's available. You can believe. You can receive the light, and you can follow the light. And as you do that, it's, some, it's so interesting how that, what happens is that light will be start emanating from your life. Spiritual light. It's not a light that you created, not at all. 
but it is the power of God in you shining forth. And when you do that, always the same thing results, is that it glorifies your Father which is in heaven. That's the result of it. And so I guess I summed the message up this morning kind of in three concise statements. Come to the light. Receive the light and shine the light. Let's stand to our feet for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you came to this world so many years ago. A world that was enshrouded in darkness. Much spiritual darkness and despair. But you came as a light. And Lord, there were a few there that saw the light. And saw what it was. Thank you, Lord, that it was a light to the Gentiles. Thank you, Lord, for that light that emanates down through the ages of time to us today. Still just as available as it was then. Lord, we pray that if we do not have your light shining in our hearts, Lord, that we would come to you for that light today and to believe and to receive it and to follow you. Lord, help us to be a shining light to those that we relate with in everyday life. Lord, we pray that we could be, be bringing others to the kingdom as well. Pray that you administer your word to our hearts today. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.